0: Robert, welcome, how are you doing man? Thank you, I'm doing well, how about you? All good here as well, man. I would like to introduce you to our audience. Robert is the Robert comes representing Armour. Uh, which is a pretty new solution with some stuff that i hadn't really seen before before we got in i got into researching armor for this episode so robert would you like to introduce yourself and talk a bit about what is it that you do in armor for those listening
1: sure yeah so so me personally i've been in i mean been into crypto since 2011 i guess and been coding Solidity and been into Ethereum since 2017 full-time and um, worked on a bunch of different projects. And I guess last September started creating Armor with Azim. And um, really the goal of Armor is to make DeFi safer. It's, it's an insane, insane industry right now. And it really needs to be a lot safer than it is. Um, So the way we're doing that is by making insurance simpler, cheaper, easier to buy. Um, the, The core product of Armor at the moment is a smart cover system. And we're underwritten by Nexus, but our smart cover system scans the blockchain for tokens that you may need to protect. And then just with one click, you can purchase coverage for all of them. And it'll be perpetual and pay as you go so pay by the second as opposed to insurance solutions where you might have to buy a month of coverage at a time and for a certain amount of stuff this one you can update whenever pay as you go and easy as pie i
0: well first of all you've been in ethereum since 2017 right what were you doing before before armor because DeFi is somewhat of a new thing right
1: Sure, I mean, I guess I was still doing DeFi then. Uh, the first uh, first bigger thing I was working on was called Minerva, which was similar to Basis. We were calling it a decentralized Federal Reserve. The big difference was that when we minted new tokens to bring down the price of the stablecoin, it went to businesses that accepted the token as opposed to people who were hoarding the token. So I think economically is a much better system. Um, that one didn't take off so well, but that's what I started with in 2017. Then I was making a decentralized exchange with CoinVest, who's now CoinDeFi. Um, doing that for a while, working on all sorts of different projects, a fighting game for Crypto CryptoKitties, all sorts of little things and got specifically interested in um, security, bug bounties, stuff like that. In 2020, I founded Blocked, which did a new type of security for Ethereum, really, where it was a reactive security. Um, we would detect if an unauthorized person accessed your wallet, and if they tried to send funds out of it, we'd immediately send a transaction that would overwrite that and send them to safety. Uh, so, when Az when Azim approached me with armor, it was right down my alley in security and making DeFi safe. And yeah, always an easy choice to join and build it. I mean,
0: I'm not going to make you spend an hour talking about something that you're not working on anymore. But yeah, you you mentioned Minerva and you mentioned how it didn't really take off. And that's something. <laughs> well like bluetooth headphones right <laughs> that's something that we've never really been able to figure how to how to get people using crypto for payments in daily life so what was yeah. uh, what, what were the challenges that you found in there how did you how, how did you deal well, with that reality
1: honestly that was uh, that was a sad scenario um, it really never took off because of the uh, legal problems with crypto um, that was during the whole ICO boom. Everyone was worried about what was legal, what wasn't, what the SEC would be thinking, and we were way too focused on that and just that engrossed the project instead of actually building the instead of actually building it. Uh, we barely got time to build on it, and kind of just fizzled out after that. So, sadly, I mean, I don't know. I guess somewhat sadly, it wasn't because of the product, but it it had potential. I think. I mean, in I guess to to ignore that project in particular, I think the problem with paying with cryptocurrency is the entrance into the system. Um, when you can't, uh, when it's so difficult to get U.S. dollars into cryptocurrency, it's extremely hard to to start payments with them i think that's i think that is and has been for the last decade or whatever the problem with paying with using cryptocurrency for payments for the most part
0: and okay right now moving forward to the present and um, talking about the armor and protection for defi and coverage for DeFi. uh we, we recently had uh, michael beck here uh, ceo of uh, the, the project lead sorry not ceo uh, of um of union and they are creating a product for insurance on DeFi and I, I sort of like th- that episode really took off with <laughs> with UNN fans anyone else they didn't really understand what it is that they did. <laughs> so oh. I would I would like to us to go really basic for starters here before we take on the conversation to more complex things can you mm-hmm. clarify what it is that you mean when we're talking about coverage for DeFi?
1: sure yeah um so right now armor is focused on really making insurance simpler and because of that we're not doing our own underwriting um we're using nexus mutual plans and taking those and making it simpler for people to use them and buy them um and with those nexus mutual cover plans what you do is you pay a Premium upfront, say, I think Uniswap is 2.6% per year. So if you want to cover 100 Ether, you'd pay 2.6 ETH for the year. And if any hack happens within that time frame, then you can get paid back the full amount of 100 Ether. So it's just like insurance on cars or houses or health or whatever. You pay a small premium upfront, and then if something goes wrong, you'll get paid back
0: all right and i mean that's the more basic concept or the concept that it's most basic and i think anyone can understand with an easy example such as a house or a or a car or whatever but then it gets a bit more complex right because i understand that you have your token you have the rnft the smart cover system so yeah can you can you elaborate further on that
1: for armor specifically, or for yeah, for armor. Okay. Um, well, so I guess to clarify to the hacks, um, Nexus recently it would protect hacks that were a result of the smart contract code. Uh, recently, they changed it to be a wider definition. Um, so. People taking advantage of the system with things like flash loans will also count in terms of an event where you'll get paid back for the coverage you bought. Um, for Armour in particular, uh, really a lot of the system people don't need to know. Um, of it's, it's made up of different parts. The Armour NFTs allow Nexus Mutual coverage to be transferred between users because Nexus Mutual itself requires KYC, you know your customer, so people have to actually sign up to be able to purchase coverage. Uh, the NFTs make it so anyone can buy it, and they also make the coverage transferable between users. And uh, it makes it simple for our system to use that coverage, for people to stake on our system to use it. Uh, the, the core of Armour right now is the smart cover system where I'll demonstrate it in a bit, um, but it you don't really need to know anything about NFTs or any of that. You just uh, click a button, it quotes you for how much tokens you have, click a button to update, and that's that. Uh, um, and we have some other parts of the system, such as ARNXM, which helps with staking in Nexus Mutual people can deposit their Nexus Mutual tokens and we'll stake for them. And the idea is to keep, even though Nexus Mutual itself has a 30 day lock in staking, we can keep some in reserve, maintain the liquidity and have a yield bearing token that people can just hold on to. So there are a few different parts of the system and a lot of them people don't need to know. Really the main thing is just the smart cover system making a making getting coverage for DeFi easier and some more fun things to come to.
0: and we're we're talking about protecting you basically from a hack right from the platform you're using for DeFi, completely i mean there's been exploits there's been hacks um, we don't like the way it when then happen when but sometimes they do and that's could happen anywhere um, yeah. Is there anything else that people should know that they can get coverage for or from?
1: In, in what way?
0: Right, like I, I'm, I'm just wondering if there are any other risks that get covered by systems like this, uh, apart from hacking.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess generally what, what our coverage covers at the moment is what people would think of hacks. Um, There are systems and will likely offer something like it soon that use um, essentially what are options. And so you, instead of buying insurance, buying coverage against a hack, you'll essentially say you'll buy an option to buy tokens at the current price. Um, and if you do that it works the same way as coverage but it'll cover anything at all Um, so if if the owner rug pulls they steal all the tokens and the token price drops you'll have the options available to buy it back at the past price and it'll protect you there Um, so those are generally the two ways that DeFi insurance is being done at the moment we don't offer that at the moment but probably will sometime there are too many opportunities in DeFi right now uh one of the hardest parts right now is trying to prioritize a roadmap with different things um so yeah hopefully we'll get that in soon but who knows that's i mean
0: you're not the first person that has come and said that right the most difficult part is prioritize which uh where to look at because it's everywhere and there there's many i can be just floating around yeah. and opportunities like they are up for grabs yep. what are how do you make those decisions how do you decide on what to what to work on and what to let go
1: a lot of arguing with co-founders <laughs> <laughs> no, and, uh, yeah just a long i guess <laughs> long decisions and it's hard I don't know and we we often have to adjust as well especially with the rate at which everyone's developing um if we're if we're going in one direction but then we realize another company is doing this or that that would make something else more efficient sometimes we have to switch and it's always a battle between well if you keep pivoting you'll never get anything built or If we don't pivot, we won't be able to survive if we don't stay agile. So it's always, yeah, always a um, battle between those. But we really just have to prioritize what we we think will be best for the system in the short term. And so sometimes it's, I mean, there are bugs or maybe not even bugs, but very necessary updates that happen that will probably be first and then yeah I, I don't know it's hard right now we're essentially making decisions between like really upgrading parts of the core system or releasing our next product that we think is it's very important as well and you have to take into account all sorts of things in terms of what other companies are doing, uh, what's available at the moment, what will be in the future, what'll help us here and there, and even the market at this point. You, that's not really something you experience with other, other industries quite as much, but um, we really have to be paying attention to the crypto market.
0: What, is- what, are the, what are the scenarios that you have to constantly be on the look for when you're looking at the crypto markets? I mean, aside from the obvious
1: um just in terms of how i guess the the speed we want to develop on certain products to take advantage of the market the best i guess um generally i mean in my opinion generally it may be better um to uh, to really release new very important products during a bull market where people are paying a lot more attention and we'll see that and then if if we want upgrades on older ones maybe do that more during a bear market and honestly i'm pretty excited for bear market at this point it uh development and such can get stressful stressful during these times it's nice to have some quiet there
0: Uh, Isn't it? I I mean, of course. At some point, if everyone's paying too much attention, like we are right now, uh, I mean, I've I've never been studying harder between the podcast and or everything that happens every day. I've never been studying harder, just reading an hour or two every day just to keep up with the developments. And but at the same time, it's never fun to be in the bear market, right? Like,
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, it's not stressful though, really. If you have your tokens and you go, okay, I'm just holding these, holding these till the next market, and you don't have to pay attention to prices or anything. It, um, I guess after the crash, it's not, it's not stressful. While it's crashing, maybe it's very stressful. <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I mean, I remember a, a couple of very stressed people all the way up to 2000, early 2020.
1: <clears throat> yep. And
0: since you're insuring, yeah. across, uh, you're insuring across all the different uh, major DeFi platforms, right? And that, that's the beauty of DeFi, that you can basically connect to anything that uses the, the smart contracts. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw... I, I have to comment on this because it was just yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your first impressions on the launch of the new Uniswap on the V3? Oh, I
1: haven't looked too much into it um i was reading about it a bit ago and i read about it a bit this morning um looks great though i mean the uniswap team is amazing and i would yeah definitely trust their code to every degree the uh the, the i don't know what you call it economic theories capital efficiency of v3 looks pretty fantastic um, and I'd like to try it out but it kind of seems like work trying to figure out exactly how to stake my LPS in terms of which which ranges to put them
0: and that's um, a that's a very interesting feature I never thought about it and I don't think uh... okay yeah. <laughs> I don't think most people understand what we mean by capital efficiency, right? Do you have an easy way to think about it?
1: I guess I don't know how to explain it better than that uh um making the amount of money in the system as useful as possible i guess is is how I would describe it
0: and uh, are there any new things that you have to take into consideration when providing coverage, when something like this comes up, like something like a big update that everyone's been looking forward to for so long?
1: Providing, co- like as as armor providing coverage? Yeah. Uh, first of all, our coverage is, is underwritten by Nexus, so we don't have to do too much of that. Uh, the very, uh, one of the great things about armor is we don't have to pay attention to a large part of of what most DeFi coverage protocols have to pay attention to. And we can really just focus on uh, making it simple for users. Um, So we don't have to do anything in particular, really. Nexus does, I believe they will be, I don't know if they have it yet, but they'll be coming out with separate coverage for Uniswap v3, I believe. So right now they have V2, and I think they have V1 as well. Um, so really when it's added, they do have to make, uh, make a whole new coverage plan. It won't just be covered by Uniswap in general, I don't believe.
0: And since Nexus has continued to come up in this conversation, and some people might not be too familiar with it, can you explain Nexus and what is the relationship that you have?
1: And Nexus itself is is a DeFi coverage provider, and it works. I mean, works mostly like any of the others that people will you know, stake their tokens, and then there's a pool of money. And with that pool of money, Nexus allows people to purchase coverage for different protocols, for Uniswap, Dern, pool together, Aave, whatever, um, and. If if a hack happens on one of those, they'll take it out of the reserve that they have and pay people back. The community will vote on uh, whether people, whether a specific person should be paid back for the claim they're making. So it's a fairly fairly, uh, normal general coverage protocol. Um, And yeah, yeah general coverage protocol uh, our relationship with them in particular it's nothing formal i mean that's the that's the beauty of defi is we're really just building on top of their system and we have a, a close relationship in terms of just in general working with them making sure we know their system well etc cetera, etc cetera. but nothing formal and we're doing something that any company could uh, it doesn't matter how much of a relationship you have with them. You could build on top of them just like we are. And honestly, I love that. I love it's, Yeah, just highlighting one of the parts of DeFi that I love a lot is we're just building directly onto another company's protocol, using their base and then making the, making the user experience much simpler. Yeah, really highlights, highlights some of the benefits of DeFi.
0: That's that that's one thing that I really that that I really like. And it's basically some people call it like it's basically like Lego blocks, right? Or building blocks as to not name brands. Oops. But you basically stack one thing on top of the other and you can continue to build on it forever. If you in this case, when you're doing something like that. Do you have a plan in case they make a change that really hurts your product or that really hurts your plan, or is it just basically in your mind like if they change it, we'll fork it?
1: All of our contracts are, uh, at the moment are upgradable, um, so we we're ready for any changes. And <clears throat> they, uh, we imagine, I think they're going to be expanding their protocol to. Make the user experience simpler as well, and all that. Um, so we're not. I guess we're not stuck on only using them. We definitely plan to aggregate different protocols, and we can build on top of anyone. This is the fantastic part. Any any coverage company that comes out and starts doing well, we can decide to just implement into our protocols and allow people to buy coverage from them. And that it'll be very necessary once uh, once people really start once the, once people really start to see the importance of insurance and coverage, I mean, right, even now, armors, um, a lot of the coverage we're trying to provide is being sold out because it's very much in demand. So when we start aggregating more protocols and being able to provide more coverage,
0: that'll be great. Um, At this point in time, I don't think I know anyone that actually uses coverage on DeFi. It's just really? like uh, <laughs> maybe I don't hang out with people that trade big volumes, or maybe, I, uh, but, but I, I think the market hasn't really adopted
1: insurance enough. I think it's coming up. And really, Nexus is the king right now, I guess, in that regard. Um, and we need to we need to up how much is staked and how much is available. But yeah, I didn't stake in DeFi until I could get coverage easily. Um, didn't do anything in DeFi until I could do that because it just it wasn't safe. I mean, I have a lot of background in smart contract security and bug bounties and. My own con- my own contracts having bugs. Um, I know how how often that happens, and even the safest protocols. And <clears throat> I don't feel comfortable at all without without any sort of coverage there.
0: How how often it is for for the layman, for the people in there that might not be aware of the risk? How how would you paint it?
1: <clears throat> how often for a huge bug? Yeah. Or or
0: how, or how often do you? what's the real possibility of a catastrophe here
1: it's hard to say um i mean it's it's actually
0: it's actually not the uh, right way to look at it (laughs) i think so right
1: it's not the right way i mean i don't know like you want to you want to purchase coverage for those black swan scenarios i guess but even our contracts had a critical bug um we before we launched the full system we put up a bug bounty a big bug bounty i didn't think there was really any way there would be a critical bug in it because of the way the system is set up and the relative lack of attack vectors um, that could really cause that much damage i didn't think there could be a bug at all we put up a i guess it was at the time a one and a half million dollar bug bounty and someone found a critical bug. And that was that. It was, yeah, it, it was a dumb bug, but it got past us, got past our tests, got past our auditors. And sometimes that just happens. So- How, what, was the,
0: yeah. what was the bug there? What was the failure?
1: <clears throat> it's kind of embarrassing, but it was just incorrect decimals at one point. And we'd set up the system to use a certain number of decimals at first, and when we adjusted the system a bit later, we kept one of the places that used the old amount of decimals. So when people were purchasing this much coverage, it actually thought it was a much bigger amount, so they'd actually be able to withdraw a lot more than they're purchasing. Um, a bit of an embarrassing bug, but stuff like that just slips by. And it, it we were we were essentially ready to launch with that. And so, it, it just reinforces my our thoughts on how how much coverage is needed for DeFi.
0: I mean, and as I was making the question, I realized that that's always the right the wrong type of question to be asking, right? Because you don't purchase coverage or you don't purchase insurance because you know how likely an event is. You purchase it exactly that's because true. you can never know mm-hmm. how likely a black swan, like you called it, or like yeah. just a negative event can be and you want to be insured against those catastrophes that can eventually have a big impact in your in your life or in your capital or in whatever it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, so critical bugs are much harder to predict. Um, and it depends a lot on different scenarios, but I will also say when I do bug bounties, I would say I find medium, medium severity bugs it seems like in 30 50 percent of the contracts and maybe high severity in 10 or 20 percent of the contracts out there critical is less likely but i've definitely found them in a few contracts i mean yeah they're out there it's (laughs) I, i feel like the problem with this industry is you need a uh you need like code with nasa safety standards almost but the community demands it at a silicon valley development speed
0: right um, and they so also they, they also wanted to look cute they also wanted to the interface to be friendly they, yeah. they, they want memes. You know, they want.
1: absolutely yeah and it uh, because of that like we especially Like I was saying, in bull markets and stuff, all the companies right now are trying to rush to get this or that product out to take the most advantage of the market and do this and that. And when you rush Solidity, things go wrong. Um, Bugs end up in the contracts. And yeah, people people suffer because of that. And we were just talking about
0: how you, in in DeFi, you're able to basically build on top of one, one thing on top of the other and that up to infinity. And in my mind, I'm wondering from a business perspective or from an implementation and launching perspective, can that create an environment where people are always launching the same things over and over, but with different messaging or with different faces or just slight, very slight improvements? And... Can that not create a market with a lot of repetition, or is that also the wrong way to look at it?
1: Interesting.
0: Because, as an example, you you saw it with SushiSwap and with Uniswap, right? Like you see something. That was what I was
1: thinking, yeah.
0: Yeah. You you see almost a clone being marketed a bit differently and with a slightly different approach, and it takes off a completely different audience and captures a completely different market. I don't know whether you have any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It it's a good point. I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan of all the forks, of course. I love original code and all that. And right now, especially on other chains like Binance Smart Chain, so many projects are just being directly forked with absolutely no improvements at all, just that they're on a new chain. Um I don't know how that affects it. I mean, I guess there would be repetition, but it'd still always just come down to, to competition. There, it seems people really actually like what what Sushi Swap is added to Uniswap, so maybe it's useful in in the DeFi space. Um, I guess I guess it happens in real life too. It's not quite as easy in real life in um, non blockchain companies too. It's not quite as easy to just fork code and launch a company again, but you can just take strategies directly from someone else that's doing them and maybe make an adjustment here and there and relaunch your own company and the market will decide if it succeeds or fails. I mean, in the end of the day,
0: there is a lot of, um, it'll... I always kind of like chuckle to myself when I see the word trustless being thrown around in DeFi yeah. and in cryptocurrency so much because, of mm. course, you want things to be trustless, but, but you also want to trust them. Like you want others to use solutions true, true, true. that are trustless and you want you to use solutions that you trust because there's no way yeah. around that, right?
1: Absolutely i mean hopefully you trust them because they're trustless because you don't need to trust them it is interesting though and it's also interesting how people i don't know almost don't care about that anymore i mean back near when blockchain was much newer the whole thing was it's decentralized and trustless and this and that but I think it's going down a much different route where people i mean many protocols are controlled uh, by just a multi-sig even by just individual wallets and people don't seem to care as long as they're making money or it's doing something cool or this or that um interesting to kind of see the idealism die there a little bit
0: uh, at the same time I think it's also because there's a lot of options right Um, and not that I would personally be able to audit any code myself I have no idea how to do that and (laughs) I go to the platforms that I go to because I know that people I trust trust them, and it boils down to trust, there is no way around that until unless you have a very technical very small group of people. Yeah. So for those listening on audio platforms, we wanted to do a a special thing today. We wanted to do something that we haven't done before, uh, which is going to the Armour platform and take a look at how it is uh, the platform and the things that they're doing and give you a better impression on this because sort of with DeFi platforms and in general in this new environment, you understand things a bit better when you're seeing them, right? So if you're on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, this is the moment that you jump to YouTube and subscribe, hopefully. And Yeah, if you like this new dynamic, leave us a comment. Uh, Let us know if you would like us to do more of this, because I think it's something that we can start benefiting from. So I'm going to be sharing my screen. If you can, please, Robert, let me know when you see it. And we'll take it from there. Sure. Okay, so we're here in the armor.fi um, website, and I already did this before the call, I already connected my MetaMask, I don't think I have anything in liquidity pools or anything right now, <laughs> and in okay. case you see that we'll be editing that, but just to take <laughs> a look at the general platform um, for for Armor. so. How would you, uh, I'll take your lead here. What, what would you like me to, to do to get started?
1: I guess the most important thing to show would just be the smart cover system. Um, All right. So let's go there. I, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, you... so right now, uh, uh, what the system is doing is using Zapper actually to uh, check check the blockchain to see if your wallet has any any tokens or deposits anywhere that may need to be protected.
0: Okay. And if you so, scroll
1: down, uh, go mm-hmm. on.
0: No, So right now I, I don't have anything like that would need to get protection. I'm not playing with liquidity yeah. pools at this time, but we can see the uh, the annual yield here. We can see the rewards, everything. So would you mind explaining all these concepts starting with the R-Core? Sure
1: sure and i could if we want i could also share my screen i have a wallet connected that has coverage um
0: i, I think that would actually be better yeah cool okay so we're back sure. we're, we're back at the robert screen so up to you
1: so this is i mean this is the home page of armor describes a bit about the smart DeFi asset coverage i guess the main thing i'll show so we have different products as we've talked about a bit the ARNFT here, I'll just skip around a little bit. Um, so the ARNFT here is really just a wrapper for Nexus Mutual coverage. It allows you to purchase it without KYC, and it allows it to be transferred between users. So you can mm-hmm. very simply see that 99 ETH cover is available on Ave. buy it for 30 days for 100 ether or something. Um, so that's a a part of our system we actually created after we, uh, urine had a very similar system with Nexus Mutual coverage called YNFT. Um, we optimized it a bit and actually found some big bugs on theirs, and we ended up creating our own and um, they're really taking over the Nexus Mutual wrapping with urine. We partnered with them and and provided it on their site as well. So people could buy ARNFTs from their site. Um, So that's essentially a simple wrapper for Nexus. The ARNXM vault allows you to deposit an XM, receive ARNXM back, which is automatically staked in Nexus. Here are the different pools that we have staked coverage in. And then it generates yields, and you can withdraw the an XM whenever you want from the ARNXM. XM. So those two are really little. Um, I don't know if you just say add-ons, but um, things that help our system in general um, help help increase coverage on Nexus. Help the smart cover be able to get coverage and all that. Right. The main thing right now, the, our core product really is the smart cover system here.
0: And, and just so a quick, uh, a quick question on the yep. on the. I don't want to call them add-ons, but that's the that's the word you use, so we're stuck with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So when you when you have these add-ons, uh, do you think? Um, I mean, th- does it take much bandwidth from your organization from the thing that you're? focused on the most or what are the how do you perceive having these extra things
1: yeah that's a good question um so for some of them i guess the beauty of blockchain is it really there are times where it takes no bandwidth away Uh, for example the arnfts we launched it and essentially haven't done anything with it since it's just been working completely automatically, keeping maintained and all that. Um, The ARNXM Vault, it's taken some amount of bandwidth. And right now we're actually dealing with problems with it where people are arbitraging and uh, making it so it's more difficult to keep reserves in it. So we had to change the smart contracts a bit, having to update those, come up with some new strategies and it really is, a, again, it's the prioritizing the roadmap type of thing. Um, it takes away some bandwidth from smart cover and future things we're coming out with. But it also provides a lot of benefit to, um, to Armor, to Nexus. And uh, for example, with the XM Vault, we decide which protocols get the most funds staked on them. And so, with our smart cover system, we can see what people want to buy, and with the AR and XM vault, we can stake on Nexus and increase the coverage available for those protocols. So it does help a lot. It does take some bandwidth, and it's a decision you have to make. But obviously, we think it's we think it's worth it to have it.
0: Uh, what uh, kind of uh, what, what kind of issues can having people arbitrate in places there shouldn't be doing arbitrage. What kind of issues can that cause?
1: Will it, the interesting thing about the X M vault is the arbitrage is one-sided. Um, so people, it's not, there's not really any benefit for people to deposit an X M into the vault and arbitrage that way by taking ARNXM out or there rarely is but there's often benefit to do it the opposite way where they withdraw an XM WNXM from the vault and in, in exchange for XM that they bought on the market. Um, essentially the problem is the vault relies on, one of the main benefits of it is the liquidity in the reserve that usually with Nexus mutual staking, you have to lock your tokens for 30 days. But if people all pool together and there's a reserve of tokens, there's a certain amount that can be withdrawn at any time. And we regularly unstake. So little bits are unlocked at a time to go back into the reserve. But as you see here, the the thing we're currently dealing with is there's very few withdrawable assets. Almost all of it is managed. And once we withdraw, people can... um, Arbitrage by purchasing ARNXM on the markets, withdrawing WNXM and then selling that. Um, so we actually, in audits right now, we have a couple of updates that should be released next week to start dealing with this. Um, but that's a specific problem we're having. And we've seen a few other protocols have similar stuff. And I guess borrowing ideas from them to to deal with it with a small withdrawal fee or time delay right so yeah yeah that's okay. uh you you launch these projects you launch these products thinking hopefully you can launch it and it'll take no bandwidth but it never works that way <laughs> <laughs> <As> always. <laughs> yeah. and
0: same, the same goes on with anything in your life like right whether it's people or yep. activities or whatever
1: <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and hopefully, I mean, it'll get it'll get easier and easier to deal with. It's coded to be all decentralized, so we never have to do anything with it. But it's usually beneficial to keep upgrading it, keep making decisions here and there. Um, but yeah, Wait, so let's not
0: uh, let's not take any more time off our uh, core smart cover system, which is the main thing. So, up absolutely. to you.
1: Um. So here's here's our core. Here's the smart cover system that's currently our core product. I'm actually going to reload it. Um, right. You see here, it's analyzing the wallet. I did it too fast for me to talk about it, but what it means by analyzing is it's uh, searching the blockchain for the um, assets you have in your wallet that may need to be protected. Okay. Right now in this wallet. Um, all I have staked on DeFi is pooled together. These pool together tokens. Okay. So it uh, searched the blockchain. It found them. Found the value here, and uh, the uh, cost. This is the cost of the protocol per year, and the amount that I currently have covered because I actually currently have coverage on it. Um, if I didn't have coverage, right now it'd be showing up in this box and it would say i could purchase it right now i do have coverage shows up in this box and it'll allow me to update it so i can click it and update it and i would do that because right now since eth price has risen since i'd purchased the coverage i'm actually 150 percent covered so i'm paying uh, more than i should be for the amount that i want covered okay so one of the great things about this smart cover system is that if I had bought, I think most other coverage protocols uh, do, it in a, uh, do it in chunks, I guess. So you buy a certain amount of ETH for a certain amount of time. And if I had bought from any of those ones, I wouldn't be able to just update it to exactly what I want covered at the moment. I may have to. Sell the coverage and then rebuy it for a smaller amount to to rearrange it to the exact amount I need covered. So okay. that's what so I have at the moment and can update it. I guess to go over the basics up here.
0: Um, but before we before you do that uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm seeing here. You have a eleven point zero nine ETH uh, and that's the value of your total pool, right? Of the total assets you pulled.
1: Yeah, in the in that protocol, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you have the costs per year, and that's the cost of your insurance. Yep. Okay, and then we move forward to covered, which is the coverage, the eleven point zero nine multiplied by your one hundred and forty five percent coverage.
1: Well, it's so the coverage. It's because I don't know when I did this a month ago or something, and then just forgot about it or whatever, but. When I did cover it, 16.12 ETH was exactly 100% coverage uh, for this 40,000 USD. Okay. Uh, But of course, Ether price has risen since then. So now it's 145% coverage rather than 100%. So if I clicked update now, it would lower the amount of coverage to 11.09.
0: Okay, and if uh, if you click update now, would it go to one hundred percent?
1: After I send a transaction, oops. Okay. There we go. Yeah. All right. So I confirm the transaction and all that. Gas fees are something we're working on as well, but it um it's uh, people uh, right now we're rearranging the system a bit to work on the gas fees. And it does suck, as with all of Ethereum, but it is relatively inexpensive compared to what you would have to do in terms of buying coverage from other protocols, or selling and then buying, or buying for multiple different protocols uh, that you would have to do in separate transactions instead of all at once. But definitely what we're always thinking about.
0: I'm sorry what's the what's this what's this uh, available cover
1: um that's the full amount of cover- coverage that's available uh, for the protocol
0: okay 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 for i example, get
1: it here if the um if the system doesn't pick up the assets you need automatically you can go to manual and choose a protocol all right I could choose Uniswap that has 7,000 ETH available. SushiSwap only has 27. I guess a lot of people are purchasing that coverage at the moment. Um, And you can look through these, see how much they have. If you, say, have compound stuff on another wallet, you can do that and add ETH for it. And then you can cover that as well. So that's essentially what it would look like the first time you buy coverage. And once I cover selected, it'll be added to the covered assets. Okay, okay. Multiple at once as well is one of the great things about the protocol.
0: And just like that, you're insured.
1: Yep, yep. Right after sending that transaction, you'll be insured for whatever amount on those protocols, for as long as you want. The way payment works is that you deposit, you click top up, maybe enter 0.1 ETH or something, and then you pay per second. Uh, it essentially just drips your payment and it lasts however long that you have Ether in there. Uh, All right. So right now I have 0.032 ETH in there. My current monthly cost is 0.05. So I have 19 days left of coverage, unless I top up here and add more ether. So I can uh, nice. this. Uh,
0: yeah, C- can you slide this?
1: Yep, so it prompts. And you're not, at this point, you're not buying three months of coverage or six months of coverage. But you're just putting in amount of ether, and that's just uh, giving, you, giving you an idea of how long that'll last. So then if I click this again, it'll pop up this MetaMask transaction um, and you'll, yeah, it'll it'll prompt you to enter more ether there and you'll top up your balance and all that. And actually, I guess it's a good time to talk about this. Uh, Right now we actually have utilization rewards. We're paying people to get us insurance essentially. All right. Um, so I'm getting, I'm paying 0.05 ETH per month, but I'm actually getting back armor rewards worth 75% of that. So I, I don't know what that is, 0.038 or something ETH in armor I'm receiving back each month um, in in rewards. Uh, we wanted to add that as a system to a- encourage people to get insurance, encourage people to use the platform. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, isn't that uh, I, I mean for those that might not include myself know the economics of providing these kind of rewards. Uh, where do these tokens come from or how do you how do you set up a system that can give users reward from? Rewards for using the the platform
1: well it's it's only for a limited amount of time, <clears throat> so in terms of armor tokens, we have um a billion total supply forever. it's max there we can't mint new ones or anything um and we have a big chunk of it. I don't remember what it was seventy five percent or something uh-huh that are to be given to users as rewards. And a lot of that is liquidity farming, like we'd have over on this page, uh, to reward users for adding liquidity to our pools. Um, Some of it, even the staking here, staking NFTs, which are users that have bought NFTs and are providing coverage actually to the smart cover system so that other users can borrow from it. This has rewards as well um we reward people all over to kind of to get people into the system um it's i think our plans are for the rewards to go on two years or so until all our tokens are distributed out into the market at large and there's just a bunch of different calculations that are figuring out how it's how we think it'll be most useful to distribute those, and where those rewards will be best spent to grow the protocol and get as many people using it as possible. And so, for now, to start, we may be lowering it, but for now, to start, there are actually very good rewards just for purchasing the insurance. Okay.
0: And when I'm, I mean <laughs> when we we look at all these protocols and everything that's being built on DeFi, there is a lot of. Uh, it's some uh, somewhat of a trend, right? Where it seems like right now we're on the time of pools, in the era of pools where yeah. a lot of innovation is, is happening that requires pools and requires users to provide liquidity. And that's just the, the way the wheels are turning these days. And I, I'm always wondering... Because effectively knowing which pools to trust and where to deposit your funds and how you're going to distribute it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of reading. So how do you go around having users that are not professional financers or professional traders to adopt these solutions and to fuel these systems?
1: In terms of like staking the NFTs? Yeah, like
0: uh, c- 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 coming to the platform, deciding they are going to stake their NFTs, stake their tokens, provide liquidity.
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, providing liquidity, I guess, is fairly normal for many users at this point. It's... Uh, honestly, I feel like we really haven't had to think much about that. Um Liquidity was very easy. We definitely, in terms of staking the NFTs, we had to make sure people knew exactly how all that worked. Um, and sometimes at this point, we need to, every once in a while, we need to purchase it ourselves if there's. Um, a discrepancy: the NFT itself runs out, but sometimes coverage might be still happening. So we may have to purchase another NFT ourselves to stake it to make sure everything's fully insured, fully covered. Um, in general, people, I guess, understand the system, and there's not uh, the people who do understand the system can contribute enough that not that many people need to stake or need to participate in those areas that a few power users, I guess, can provide most of the coverage and not not every single user that uses a system needs to know how it works, I guess, is the big part. Right, and
0: that's a phrase you were using a lot when we first started the the episode, right? In the end of the day, it's not that everyone that wants to purchase coverage should know every single detail, just like, I don't know every single intricacy behind my car insurance provider.
1: Yep, exactly. Or blockchain in general. That's one of the weirdest things to me to uh, go off topic a bit. Um, One of the weirdest things about blockchain to me is when I'm talking to someone who's not in the industry, they always talk about how they like, don't trust it or won't do anything with it because they don't understand how it works and i'm like why do you need to understand how it works who cares i don't understand how normal databases work you damn sure don't understand how credit card processing works like why would you not trust it if you don't understand it you know how your iphone works or anything like that it's um very weird to me because of that that uh people really just need to know for this like for this you just need to know you come to this page it'll analyze your wallet and you click cover assets it's one click coverage for everything there
0: i mean when you're when you're talking about people saying these sort of things I don't know how my bank works. I don't know how the electricity switch works. I never know know how fax machines work. I'm happy we don't have those anymore because it's spooky. (laughs) You just, it boils down back to that again, to trust, right? And people need to start learning to trust the systems.
1: I guess so, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I guess people in the industry due to a fair degree but i mean there's also we've kind of also earned a bit of skepticism uh, there have been so many so many projects that were scams or hacked developed badly this or that that i guess it's right for people in this industry to be skeptical of some of these projects um and obviously that's something that we have to overcome we don't want to be seen as some scammy company pump and dump just trying to raise our tokens so we can sell it all type of thing and I feel like the only way we can really do that is by building by having this product out there coming out with future products that are great and and doing it that way
0: and I mean, that, that's a phrase I've heard thrown around a lot and I think really summarizes the state of things that Bitcoin and blockchain in general is a way to disrupt traditional monetary systems. These guys, that's a get-rich-quick scheme. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Sure. And that's something that has its good and bad things, right? On the good side, it attracted a lot of us into it. And on the flip side, it does look shady <laughs> and there is not much you Absolutely. Can- <laughs>
1: Well, there are I definitely the- some projects that, uh, yeah, that don't have the best intentions, I guess you would say. W- weren't started with the greatest intentions.
0: So if you think we can start wrapping up, man, uh, if you want, we can uh, forego the the screen sharing thing. and. Um, I wanted to ask you since we're talking about earning trust in blockchain and building trust in the general system, etc. What are you What are you excited about these days? What are you excited about in this crazy world?
1: In blockchain in general.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Or, um, I mean, in in very general with blockchain, I'm just I'm mostly excited about the automation it provides. Um. And how I mean, traditional finance. If you think about, if you think about how many human hands uh, are involved in giving someone a loan in traditional finance, um, you know, passed from the person who's originally interviewing someone and dealing with their collateral and doing this, and then giving them the money to do this and that, and the banks there. And then you compare it to Maker or something, where absolutely zero human hands touch it in the entire term of giving out a loan. I just absolutely love how much automation is there. And people, people say they don't trust traditional finance or this or that. And I'm, I kinda, I don't have too much of an opinion on that trade. I like, i like not not needing to trust people but i think there are, def- there are definitely places where uh, centralized solutions are better than decentralized solutions but the amount of disruption that can come from automation and getting rid of so much of the friction and costs of traditional finance that just doesn't need to be there is pretty fantastic
0: and friction and cost is a big thing you don't uh I don't see this thrown nearly I don't see this turn around nearly enough. Maybe that's because of the places I look at it or because I don't think people haven't put enough effort in marketing this or in talking about this. But every time that you're getting big rewards or considerable reward from staking tokens or for whatever, it's because effectively you're surpassing your bank's CEO new car and their new office chairs, and you're not paying for all of that anymore. And I think that's the most powerful part of the messaging that we should be concentrating on.
1: Yep, it's amazing. I mean, my, uh, personally, one of my goals in life is just, I love the idea of making protocols, making businesses that essentially make no revenue and provide things absolutely as cheap as possible to users. Um, And it can, I mean, nowadays it's amazing to think that you can have a finance company running and have no employees in it. It's just a program running on the blockchain. It can run forever with no one touching it, no one having control over it, no employees, and still be providing value to people forever. that can
0: that can be scary for some people right the uh, the, for some people that are too used to the way capitalism and the world is oh yeah they can see it as a race down to the bottom where if everything gets decentralized then everyone's out of a job
1: yep i like that though (laughs) Honestly, i think that's where our society needs to go i mean i'm a big proponent of universal basic income. And I almost feel like we won't do that until it's necessary for society, until there are so many jobs that are going out the door that people realize we're just not gonna survive without it. And I think that's really one, almost the, uh, to get <clears throat> to get a philosophical, I guess, I guess that's almost the next step in human evolution is once we don't have to be working anymore. Once we don't need to work to survive, then we open up all sorts of possibilities in terms of our evolution.
0: Did did you ever read up on David Graeber's work? Uh, He's famous for this book uh, called Bullshit Jobs.
1: I haven't much, no. Uh,
0: I would really like, if you can get started with the YouTube videos. He was a great speaker and really funny and really engaging he yeah. passed away this year not due to covid but i think he just got ill and passed away but he yeah. had this great book and he was a big proponent of universal basic income and he talked a lot about how societies are pretty much just inventing stupid jobs and stupid industries to keep yep. up with all the mouths that absolutely. they have to feed
1: and it's so dumb yeah absolutely uh, such a waste such a waste yeah we should just evolve instead of trying to, uh, yeah, invent invent new stupid jobs to keep up with our old ways. It's useless.
0: So I understand that you have some developments coming up for armor that you would like to talk about. Um, and some new exciting things that are building in the background. So I'll leave you, I'll leave the philosophical yeah. debate for for when we have a couple of beers and leave you.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> leave you to announce that. Yeah, so it, um, I, don't know, I think I've said a couple times throughout this, but prioritizing the roadmap is, is the hardest part right now. There are so many so many opportunities. I mean, recently, uh, a week or two ago, I was exploring cross-chain coverage. Um, I did a cross-chain transfer of one of our NFTs and uh, transferred it onto the Binance Smart Chain. And what those being on another chain would, be, it would mean is that we can launch our full system on there. And we can actually, with certain new protocols that are coming out, we can actually fairly easily create portals from any chain onto another one. So we can have our core smart contracts all on XDAI or something and have portals from ETH from BSC interacting with it. Um, So I was exploring that a bit, but that's not even even the highest priority at the moment. No matter how, how cool and fun that would be. Um, the next product we're coming out with, which is very exciting, are AR tokens. And those, <clears throat> it works like a vault with other tokens and you would deposit uh urine dye, for example, wide dye. You deposit into the vault and receive back an armor wide dye, which automatically has coverage perpetually. Uh, right. We can create vaults with, stacked risk so it'll it could protect it could give you coverage for um for yearn and for maker at once and it's yeah it's essentially zero click coverage the smart cover system right now is one click coverage for everything you have the tokens are zero click coverage you can Mm -hmm. just trade in between users never think at all about the coverage um a little bit of the a small percent is taken out every month or every year from the vault to pay for the coverage. Uh, but you never need to think about that or anything, never need to renew it, never need to deposit more funds. It's just there forever. And I think <clears throat> I've seen all the, all the other coverage protocols talk about uh, protocols ensuring their users. It's the next big step in terms of where DeFi insurance is going. And it makes sense if you think about it in terms of the the way centralized finance works, because many of those, uh, you really have to insure users to that degree. But uh, with DeFi, I just don't think it's economically feasible to do that. I think most protocols don't make nearly enough money to even do that. And I think there's a certain amount of a, a certain amount of choice people want in terms of risk that they may want to be a bit more risky and make and make that extra 2% as profit instead of paying for this insurance. Whereas a protocol would have to take away some profit to pay for their insurance if they're going to cover users. So I think with these AR AR tokens coming out, it makes it just as easy for people to get insurance as if, Protocols, we insuring them, and protocols don't have to insure users, don't have to implement that, don't have to take away profit if people don't want it taken away. Um, I'm extremely excited for those. I think that's, that's really where insurance is coming, and those are coming soon, next month, I guess.
0: I'm wondering here, when you're talking about tokens that are insured forever, are we talking about stable tokens, or are we talking about tokens
1: that are out there in the open market yeah so tokens that are out there on the open market uh, but we'll take a uniswap lp for example and an okay. armor ETH lp and you deposit it into a vault and the vault just returns you an ar lp an armor lp um so it's uh, you can trade it in whenever for the underlying token that you originally put in but while you're holding the armor version of the token, it has full coverage on it.
0: All right, man. So I'm really looking forward to, to the launch of that. I'm really looking forward to having you back when, when you launch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good.
0: So uh, just, just to, to continue to help people wrap their minds around this, uh, this idea of tokens that are insured yeah. forever, if I purchase one of these tokens, I deposit into the... The pool and then i have a token that i can do anything with right i can put it in a pool in uniswap i can trade it around and if it changes hands then i trade it someone in china gets the same token and they put it in an exchange and it gets hacked yeah at that point they can come back to you and redeem that token how does that process look like i mean redeem the coverage for it
1: yeah, so so <clears throat> once a hack happens, our um, DAO a vote on what block it happened on, um, and you they it, it's I guess it's, so it's built on top of the smart cover system, so these vaults just actually use the smart cover system that we're using at the moment, um, so they'll get paid back by the by the smart cover system because they had insurance at the time the hack happened. And after that, the DAO votes on a block actually in which people need to have the tokens in their wallet. And anyone who has the tokens in their wallet at that block will get paid back. Essentially the, the big problem being we can't really just do it on the exact block, the hack happened because tokens will be in exchanges Will be in lending protocols. Will be on uh, AMMs and stuff. Um, so a hack will happen. We'll give people a few days or something, maybe a week, to withdraw it from protocols, hold it in their wallet, and then anyone holding it in the wallet at a certain time can just withdraw the ether that they're owed.
0: All right. Well, I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I think it's a yeah. great idea. And, so, it's something that really yeah. hope. And uh, I mean, we've made it abundantly clear in this conversation, right? Like, mm-hmm. insurance is important, <laughs> get insured, yeah. or at least start thinking about it. You don't yeah. want um, to be there the day. You, in, you don't want to be exposed, rather, to catastrophic loss, to complete loss. Absolutely. And I think with that message, we can uh, finish up this interview. Robert, is there anything else you'd like to, to add for people listening?
1: I think that's about it. I think we covered it by coverage. That's uh, that's <laughs> coverage. I mean yeah I'm I'm terrified of DeFi and I, mm. I'm terrified of it because I know the insides. I know how it's coded I've coded it I've found bugs in big contracts I've had bugs found in my own and yeah in in my expert opinion you need coverage for sure
0: and if you don't take my word for that take robert he knows what he's talking about (laughs) yeah yeah. thank you very much thank you very much for everyone listening remember to like subscribe whatever just leave us some love in the comments we read everything i personally reply to every comment on these videos and we'll see you next time